this is the thing I wanted to talk about, right? So um, the New York Times ran a story recently, I'm sure you guys saw it, called The Making of a YouTube Radical. And we'll get into the article and we'll get into all the periphery noise about the article and break it down and also contextualize the article because as I said at the start of the stream, this is the latest concerted effort to peddle this myth that YouTube is directly responsible for radicalizing people. Now, here's something I'll say. There is definitely racist content on YouTube. There is definitely alt-right content on YouTube. Um, the idea, though, that there is a proliferation of this is a lie. I've got data sets that prove this, which I'll show you. Um, and the idea as well that YouTube is has a vested interest in turning us all into white supremacists because there's more money in that is absolute nonsense. And um, also as well, you know, the definition of radical seems to have shifted quite a bit. Um I don't consider somebody watching fucking Ben Shapiro videos to be radical in any way, shape, or form. In fact, I actually find that to be quite tepid and mainstream. And we're constantly trying to push this idea that, um, you know, oh, if you, if you step outside of this pre-approved, pre-packaged, um, homogenous progressive way of thinking you're immediately a radical i think that's just such gibberish um but and and we'll get into that a little bit further down the ways but um let's just first of all talk about kevin roos now kevin roos is the journalist that wrote this uh, piece um you know and he put a tweet out saying, I've been working on a story for a few months that I'm excited to share. It's about a 21-year-old guy who was radicalized into the far right with help from his YouTube recommendations. And you can see there, unlike the original graphic they put out on the article, which I'll show you, which they've had to add a disclaimer for, because it included people who were objectively not even right-wing. Um, everyone was talking about Philly D being upset about it. Philly D isn't even the person with the most right to be upset because on there was Chenk from <laughs> the Young Turks, right? Well, he's definitely not right-wing. And then even worse, ContraPoints, a YouTube creator that makes videos explicitly challenging alt-right and racist ideology. So she should have been really aggrieved, more so than Philly D. You know, right? even a real journalism. That's right. And I'll show you that when we get into it. N-I-C-E, indeed. Um, so anyway, uh, he, he said that the he he's wrote, wrote this incredible story about a 21-year-old guy who was radicalized into the far right with help from his YouTube recommendations. Now, again, when you say to me, radicalized into the far right, uh, I'm expecting him to be wearing the armband, going out, um, espousing racist beliefs, um, being aggressive and trying to get into violent confrontations at uh, peaceful rallies. Um, you know, when, you know, for example, 
uh, whether it's groups of um, LGBTQ people or, you know, um, uh, any peaceful protest regarding uh, a racist uh, or a theoretically racist police shooting or, you know, whatever it would be. A, a, a far-right radical, to me, isn't some skinny little nerd um, watching Stefan Molyneux videos, even though I do think Stefan Molyneux is a white nationalist. So... The, the the article that was pitched in this Twitter thing just wasn't the article that was written. Um, and I need to prepare you for that in advance. Um, I've been writing a lot about YouTube recently, but I've never articulated why. I think it's the most important and least understood force in our cultural... Uh, in, sorry, in our culture and politics. More than Facebook, more than Twitter. Um, interesting, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's the most it's the most important force in culture and politics not twitter not the thing i use right not the thing i rely on for my journalism. living not facebook that's right uh which is fuck jeff bezos <laughs> not um i my subs don't speak for me jeff um you know not facebook that was proven to have had all of these pages that would deliberately, like, you know, being used as disinformation in an election campaign. And actually was the big thrust of Russiagate. There was a separate investigation into Facebook, not YouTube. But okay. All right, Kevin, because you've wrote the story about YouTube. Um, and you actually have a beef with YouTube because you've wrote a lot about YouTube by your own admission. This is the most important cultural force uh, right now. Okay, good. YouTube is where young people spend all their time, of course, but as we saw this week, it's also a political battleground. What isn't these days, Kevin? What isn't these days? I can't even watch a TV show without being told why uh, it's not woke enough, and if I watch it, I'm a secret alt-right slimeball, or if... Um, actually it's got you know haha it's actually owning the libs ha, ha, ha like i can't do anything i can't drink you know milk anymore like you know everything's a political battleground because a bunch of fucking losers have hijacked all of the you know the the 10 percent lunatic fringe on both sides have hijacked all modes of discourse and basically are bending algorithms to their will both left and right so this is all we have to consume. Um, it's a parallel media universe and a test lab for some of the most powerful AI ever developed. I've been interviewing right-wing extremists for years, and YouTube is, or was, I guess, the center of their universe. Take your word for it. It's where ideas are generated and debates are won and lost. Just, does any of this ring true with you guys? That he's interviewing right-wing people and they're going, oh yes, we must occupy the YouTubes because that's where we win hearts and minds. It's like, wait, didn't you didn't you just run a, a wave of articles about how actually it was they were using video games to radicalize people? Now YouTube is the most important thing. I don't know. I think you're kind of all over the place, honestly. I don't see a consistent narrative, right? It's where many of them get red-pilled in the first place. Nobody really knows how YouTube works. Even people who work there shrug when you ask why Video X or Channel Y blew up. It's a black spot. It's a black box AI built by Google PhDs that figures out how to keep your attention and convert it into money. 
After the Christchurch shooting, I wanted to try to figure out as best I could how YouTube works, both as a technology and out in the world on people's brains. And again, this is very bizarre because the Christchurch shooting had nothing to do with YouTube beyond the guy deliberately putting in the manifesto um, uh, references to YouTubers and saying subscribe to PewDiePie. It was broadcast on Facebook. And despite people, including, you know, people like myself who were linked to it by, like, tipsters at the time it was happening, despite multiple people mass spamming it to get it removed, Facebook let it go out and broadcast live. It's quite telling that you're not writing an article about how Facebook weren't able to stop a live broadcast of a mass shooting by uh, a right-wing radical racist. That seems to me to be more important than saying, ah, but he deliberately said PewDiePie because that was the number one channel on YouTube, so he knew it would get media attention. The answer is actually quite simple. And he explicitly said so in the manifesto, which everybody would know if we were allowed to read the manifesto, which of course we're actually not. Right. Newspapers refused to publish it. Um, the, Twitter took it down. Uh, the site it was originally posted to, I think Scribe agreed to take it down. Any website that linked to it or referenced it in Australia and New Zealand was blocked. So I guess we just have the wonderful journalists to fill in the narrative for us all. Thanks. That makes sense. I don't like to figure things out for myself. I like people who think they're better than me to tell me what to think. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Fucking ridiculous. Anyway. We're not getting into that. Um... Does, does does YouTube change them? If so, how? And what does that process look like? That's when I found Caleb Kane. He's a guy from West Virginia who went looking for self-help videos on YouTube during a personal rough patch and spent the next four years down a far-right rabbit hole. Caleb sent me his entire YouTube history, 12,000 videos in all, so that I could reconstruct his journey from left to the far right and back. It's a fascinating data set and not at all what I expected. I also learned that a few years ago, YouTube retooled its AI, not just to recommend videos users would watch, but to change what they watched and steer them into new interests. The project was called Reinforce. It worked well. Reinforce is a classic example of an AI that will be fine in most cases. Who cares if the cooking video fans get steered into some home DIY videos? But in an environment with extreme politics, it can create gateways and draw people in. YouTube didn't set out to amplify extremists, and it's done a lot of work recently to reduce their influence. Again, I'll show you that not only does YouTube not amplify extremists, uh, they actually have gone so far over the line. They're actually now suppressing non-extremist content like uh, Joe Rogan in the US. And again, this has been proven well with, with actual hard data. Um, but over the last seven years, it made a series of changes that played into the far-right strategy and helped it go mainstream. Anyway, there's a lot more in here, including some incredible visuals by an amazing team of designers and data journalists. Journalism. I hope it helps decipher the That's insane right. tangled world of YouTube Here's politics and explain child. how we ended He's up fucked. here. And indeed. Indeed, Dust. Alright, so let's get into the article. The making of a YouTube radical. Now, first up, right off the bat, 
they wanted to do this like wonderful um like graphical representation of the fractured landscape of youtube and how certain videos come out of the melange of political information that you have that's right um and in there as i said are some people that realistically just should not be even tangentially talked about when we talk about the alt-right and radicalization on youtube so uh here it is uh caleb kane or caleb kane was a college dropout looking for direction he turned to youtube so you can see here um again there's people that i just don't uh, don't think should be um, on this list. You can see Chank's face is there. Um, and, you know, Cult of Dusty. He's a lefty. Why is he on there? Um, you know, why is big man fucking Tyrone there? Big man Tyrone is a fucking voiceover artist. Why is Philip DeFranco there? Why is Jordan Peterson there? They've tried to fucking smear this professor as being alt-right and radical. You know, it, it just doesn't ring true. And as I've said many times, whenever the subject of Jordan Peterson comes up, actually, his um, proposals for young adults to get their lives in order and to go out and achieve things they want to do. Not real journalism. If people followed right. those oh, and listened to what he had to say, this is gonna be a banger. there probably would be less radicals. There probably would be less people falling down these rabbit holes, as you call them. Um, so again, big man fucking Tyrone. That is so mental to me that he's there. Um, and there's some people I don't recognize. Um, I forget this guy's name here. The old dude near the middle, just under the word direction. He's a conservative e e uh, economist, isn't he? Right? Yeah, Milton Friedman. That's the cunt's name. So, why is he, how's he a radical? And like you say, I mean, listen, um, there's definitely some people there that I think it's inarguable, um, to me at least, based on the pattern of their behavior, that they are either alt-right adjacent, which is the term people like to use now. I won't dignify alt-right with a response. It's just another term used by the media for guilt by association. Um, but there, and there are some people that to me do hold beliefs commensurate with being a white nationalist. Ben Shapiro isn't one of them. Um, I don't think, I mean, I think Alex Jones is many things. I've never seen anything, uh, racist from Alex Jones. Um, he's a lunatic, but I don't know if he's a racist lunatic. I don't think Gavin McInnes is uh, racist, really. You could characterize him as an Islamophobe. Don't think he's alt-right. Don't think he's racist. Um, so, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough one, isn't it, really? When you, you know, like, to try and say that like there's a you know you go from listening to that fucking what's he computing forever or whatever his fucking name is dave is it dave mccullen dave cullen um yeah i'm listening to him and then all of a sudden i'm listening to stefan mullen you're like i don't know guys this these uh, th this is not 
uh, a landscape that looks like it's filled with radical extremists. Anyway, as you scroll down, you see it says, uh, Caleb Kane was a college dropout looking for direction. He, uh, he, he turned to YouTube. Yeah, who is uh, top left? Wait, let me see. Wait. Oh, Dave Rubin. <laughs> that notorious alt-right gay Jew. <laughs> uh, uh, no. uh. And yeah, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, is that Jimmy Kimmel in the middle? I, I don't know. This is a fucking mess immediately, right? What a mess. What an absolute mess. Anyway, watch what happens as it filters out. <coughs> Caleb Kane was a college dropout looking for direction. He turned to YouTube. All right, some erasing here. Soon he was pulled into a far-right universe, watching thousands of videos filled with conspiracy theories, misogyny, and racism. We scroll down a little bit more. Right, Ooh, a little bit more. I was brainwashed. Right, the making of a YouTube radical by Kevin Roos. Um, I just want to say um, this idea as well that like content we consume. Right, I I cannot stand that the mainstream media, which since 2016 has had more glaring errors in its f f supposedly factual-based reporting than probably in the 10 or 20 years prior to it surrounding this current American government ad administration. Uh, in particular, the absolute outrageous bullshit that has been peddled about the Russians and how they've hacked our um, electricity grid. A lie. Complete proven lie. Or that certain uh, Trump... Um, you know, cabinet members uh, and campaign members met with Russians only for that to be proven to be a lie. All the while ignoring this outrageous fact that the predicate for a lot of this was a dossier created by a British spy. Britain is a foreign government, right? He is an agent of a foreign government paid for by the Democratic Party. Right, so the Democrats employed a foreign government agent to gather intel and information on a campaign. Wait a minute, it kind of sounds like what you were c complaining about with Donald Trump, right? So, we, but we just all have to ignore it, and we don't factually report it, and we don't tell you the truth. But that's not brainwashing or radicalizing anyone. Yeah? The guy who went and shot Scalise wasn't radicalized and brainwashed. Oh, no, 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 no. The, you know, only YouTube can brainwash people, folks. Mass media can't. And other lies. What a fucking load of nonsense. What a load of nonsense. So when you see words like, oh, YouTube brainwashed You're not me. Even a real journalist. What about 24-hour news channels? Do they That's not brainwash right. you? Does, does the CNN website not brainwash you? Does wall-to-wall -wall coverage the same lies about the same topics? Does that not brainwash you? Because you're telling me that watching, like, a few YouTube videos will fucking brainwash me. So the mainstream media, infinitely more powerful, right? More reach. Anyway. Um, I mean, this is quite a lengthy article. I, I probably should have highlighted some bits, really. 
Starts is great, though. Caleb Kane pulled a Glock pistol from his waistband, took out the magazine, and casually tossed both in the, onto the kitchen counter. I bought it the day after I got death threats, he said. The threats, Mr. Kane explained, came from right-wing trolls in response to a video he had posted on YouTube a few days earlier. In the video, he told the story of how, as a liberal college dropout struggling to find his place in the world, he had gotten sucked into a vortex of far-right politics on YouTube. I fell down the alt-right rabbit hole, he said in the video. Mr. Kane, 26, and again, um, it's hard to believe this guy is like an adult. Like when you, I'll show you the video. Um, it's hard to believe. Like, I mean, I don't want to point fingers, but I'm just saying maybe his intellectual capacity isn't all that great. Because um, he doesn't talk like an adult. But whatever. Um, Mr. Kane, 26, recently swore off the alt-right, nearly five years after discovering it. Now, keep listening to this term, because they keep saying alt-right, alt-right, alt-right. They keep saying it over and over again. He was in the alt-right. He believed the alt-right. He fell down the alt-right rabbit hole. Spoiler, he actually says he was never alt-right. <laughs> so, just putting that out there right now, uh, when we read the choice chapters of, of this, um, he... <laughs> He denies ever holding any alt-right beliefs and explicitly says so in the article, okay? So, he fell down the alt-right rabbit hole so deeply, he disavows, even in this article, talking about his thoughts when he was in the alt-right rabbit hole, he disavows the explicit beliefs of the alt-right. So, yeah, okay, good. Great start to the reporting here. Um, uh, yeah, and he has since become a vocal critic of the movement. He is scarred by his experience of being radicalized by what he calls a decentralized cult of far-right YouTube personalities who convinced him that Western civilization was under threat uh, from Muslim immigrants and cultural mar right. Marxists, that innate IQ differences explained racial disparities, and that feminism was a dangerous ideology. I just kept falling deeper and deeper into this, and it appealed to me because it made me feel a sense of belonging. I was brainwashed. Over years of reporting on internet culture, I've heard countless versions of Mr. Kane's story. An aimless young man, usually white, frequently interested in video games, it's the gamers, guys, uh, visits YouTube looking for direction or distraction and is seduced by a community of far-right creators. You're not even a Some young journalism. men discover far-right videos by accident, right. while others seek them out. Some travel all the way to neo-Nazism, while others stop at milder forms of bigotry. Like, there's no way to get off the fucking no way to get off the train before mild bigotry is there okay all right that's good to know i'm on the youtube train everyone um oh wait yeah i'll just get off at the first stop oh i'm a mild bigot brilliant this this seems fair and balanced okay you've got a good uh, a good handle uh, nothing good has ever come to youtube obviously uh, the common thread in many of these stories is YouTube and its recommendation algorithm, the software that determines which videos appear on users' home pages and inside the up next sidebar next to a video that is playing. The algorithm is responsible for more than 70% of all time spent on the site. The radicalization of young men is driven by a complex stew of emotional, economic, and political elements, many having nothing to do with social media. But critics and independent researchers say YouTube has inadvertently created a dangerous on-ramp to extremism
optimism by combining two things a business model that rewards provocative videos with exposure and advertising dollars and an algorithm that guides users down a personal paths meant to keep them glued to their screens um and i'll just read you this quote before i point out why this is false uh, there's a spectrum on youtube between the calm section the walter cronkite the carl sagan part and crazy town where the extreme stuff is says tristan harris a former design ethicist at google um i've read actually uh, tristan harris has his own website he's got like some essays on there and i've watched some of his video interviews i think he did a ted talk too i've, I've watched quite a lot because i'm interested in him he was like he's a guy who left google because he actually said um i was there to be an ethicist and to make sure we didn't cross any lines while we were so far over the line that i couldn't in good conscience keep working at the uh, company uh, if I'm YouTube and I want you to watch more, I'm always going to steer you towards crazy town. Now, look, the idea that this is still true, that it has a business model that rewards provocative videos with exposure and advertising dollars, this putting this article out in 2019 really shows you haven't been paying attention to the landscape that youtube currently uh, exists in and that is that anything that is vaguely provocative is demonetized um they are now running in tandem with these with this algorithm that you say is so problematic they also run algorithms that scan your videos for swear words so, you know, my videos very often get demonetized because there's no way I could get through a two-hour podcast without saying the word fuck. It's just not happening. So, you know, we get demonetized on that basis. Um, it demonetized images of guns, images of video game violence. Um, the the idea that it, the, 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 the YouTube business model it rewards provocative content just isn't true anymore, if it ever was. And if you go look at the channels that make the most money on YouTube, the ones that actually get the highest premiums, because the type of ad that runs on your channel generates different amounts of money, and they are all like toy boxing openings for kids, um, you know, pop music you know very middle of the road stuff it's actually not politics it's not extremist content it's not violent content it's not even video games content so th this is patently false um, and anybody who has looked at the metrics of YouTube, anybody who's had a YouTube channel can tell you this is a patently false uh, statement um, and, and it's very well documented um, I remember uh, John uh, Total Biscuit talking about this. You can probably still find the video where he talks about how um, you know people say, "Oh, he keeps his stuff kind of like sanitized or whatever uh, to make money." And he's like, "Listen, the uh, we we are like a because wasn't he with Maker or, or whatever it was?" But anyway. He, he was basically saying like we were with like some very you know friendly you know um, you know ad friendly uh, group advertiser friendly group and the money i make compared to toy unboxings and everything else is nothing it is nothing and he had a very successful youtube channel with millions of subscribers um anyway um here it shows uh, in the middle it shows steven crowder doing one of his ridiculous skits which i've talked about this right Steven Crowder dresses up as a woman fucking more often than Sneaky does. And yet he's always, like, 
It's like, oh, how can we talk about trans people today so I can dress up as a woman? And yet he's mocking Carlos Matza for doing a Shirley Temple dance once. You know, I'm just saying. Steve, it's all right, mate. We fucking respect. We respect your, what you want to do. Whatever your lifestyle choices are, Mr. Crowder, we're here for you, all right? But, but I will say that this... Um, this um, a, a skit of his that they're talking about here, where it, it, it's um, there used to be this cartoon in American politics where it was like, um, I'm just a Bill. Um, I think Billy the Fridge did a rap uh, using the sample, actually. But it was basically explaining politics as a cartoon to kids, and it was like, I'm just a Bill, and I'm here on Capitol Hill. Na, 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 na. Um, so... Um, I, th I think that's the lyric that he's invoking there. And then um, you can see here, uh, it, it, it's a, to the tune of like Schoolhouse Rock or whatever. So, um, this is obviously complaining about the transgender bathroom thing. A lot of conservatives are, are weirdos and they uh, worry about bathrooms uh, for, for a while. Um, whenever this whole like discussion about trans people and trans rights come up, they're always going, well, if my daughter is in a female bathroom and a transgender person comes in and whips out their penis, I'll be out. It's like, that, why would that ever happen? Like, what world would that ever happen? You fucking weird cunts. Like, do we even imagine this? You have to be fucking deranged. You know what I mean? Um... But they, they, but this is what Crowder was doing when he did this song. Now, is this radical content? No, it's actually against very bland and banal. It's offensive, but it is not radical. It's very bland and banal. A lot of conservatives bring up this issue because it's very easy to push conservative buttons around certain topics. This would not be the first type of content I put in an article talking about how someone got radicalized and joined the alt right. Um, so we can skip ahead now. It throws in some st statistics about how many people use YouTube. I'm saying that 94% uh, of Americans between 18 and 24 have journalism. used it. I mean, not a surprise there. That's right. Um, talks about this, blah, blah, blah. Um, right. Now it brings up the how woke YouTube is, which again, we all know, right? We all know the reality of YouTube is that anybody with even a vaguely right-wing opinion is in the crosshairs because we've got three years of evidence that substantiates that. Yeah, there have been some aberrations. Like, for example, when people wanted to uh, ban people that were speaking out against LGBTQ and, and, and create a more ad-friendly environment... LGBTQ people got caught up in that because it's an algorithm. And as I say this all the time, you're asking YouTube to get involved, but they will never get involved with the human touch. They'll just write some software and hope it fixes the problem, and it never does. Um, so you have to be very careful what you wish for. But that happened. But generally, these aberrations are mistakes, and they get corrected. What never gets corrected is the guy who had, like, a fucking channel that's, like, traditionally conservative or whatever, who gets banned and has all his videos deleted... Um, you know, like, what was the other guy? Champagne and top hats? What was that guy? 
Come on Richard you of all people should know that it starts with a frog meme and ends with you goose stomping down Berlin city square in full Nazi uniform. Yeah, it started with a meme. You know, so, um, yeah, like, uh, Top Hats and Champagne was a guy that got fucking, like, had his entire channel deleted and got told it'll never come back. And I used to watch his occasional video from him, and unless I fucking missed something, unless he went mental the last year or, and started really going off the deep end, his stuff was just like, you know, oh, look, the, the, look at the government creating a double standard, depending on what faith group you belong to or, or whatever. So, ridiculous. Uh, anyway, uh, like many Silicon Valley companies, YouTube is outwardly liberal in its corporate politics. It sponsors floats LGBT pride parades and celebrates diverse creators, and its chief executive uh, uh, endorsed Hillary Clinton in the 2016 presidential election. President Trump and other conservatives have claimed that YouTube and other social media networks are biased against right-wing views and have used takedowns like those announced by YouTube on Wednesday as evidence for those claims. And this just seems like, you know, again, I don't know if I'm mental. I don't know if I'm like really struggling. But like when I look at all, when I look at the evidence, it, it does kind of feel that way. You know, not in the way that, like I say, the, you saw my video on Stephen Crowder. You saw my stream on Stephen Crowder. I basically said it's not censorship. Him losing ads is not censorship. It's maybe a soft censorship. It's maybe a de-incentivization. But he is not being censored. He is not being silenced. Being up in arms about that when it objectively isn't happening shows you're a moron. Um, but equally as well, there is a disproportionate amount of people that um, I would not consider extreme in their views that are, that are targeted and end up having videos deleted or are banned, even if it's only temporarily and in error. You know, in, in error. And we see it repeatedly. Meanwhile, any time um, anything happens, like vaguely, where it's like a, le you know, a, a very popular leftist gets caught up in, you know, in the algorithm um, crunch, it's resolved very quickly and super apologetically. There is a there is a clear disparity in how these two political affiliations, if you like, are dealt with. At least as I see it. Um, but not, you know, which isn't always a bad thing, by the way, because there is there is a world of difference between an extreme leftist video and an extreme far right video. I mean, I will say that as well. You have to also acknowledge that, right? Like that somebody extreme on the left is like, "Hey, let's go out and fucking smash the system and everyone who disagrees with me is a Nazi and let's punch them and beat them up." And yeah, that's not cool. And Antifa has been labeled a domestic terrorist organization, so why anybody would want to affiliate themselves with it, I don't really understand. Uh but that's fine. Um but but that's not as bad as let's all get together and eradicate um a particular group of people from society. They're different. They are different, um, and uh, and and I have f far less of an issue with the, the latter being focused on than the former. Uh, they all break YouTube's TOS, which is an aside. Anyway, um, in reality, YouTube has been a godsend for hyperpartisans on all sides. It has allowed them to bypass traditional gatekeepers and broadcast their views to mainstream audiences, and has helped once obscure commentators build lucrative media businesses. It has also been a useful recruiting tool for far-right extremist groups. Bellingcat, an investigative news site, analyzed messages from far-right chat rooms and found that YouTube was cited as the most frequent cause of members red-pilling. 
an internet slang term for converting to far-right beliefs. That is not what red-pilling is. Um, you, you know, this, this, this right here reveals what they're trying to achieve with this. The reason it's called the red pill is that you really see what's going on. It's about being it's about breaking away from believing a narrative that is fed to you via media and social media government and societal norms and it's about breaking free from that now it doesn't mean that you have to immediately ascribe to, to far-right beliefs not in any way shape or form um although i will say it's typically used to challenge uh extreme progressive viewpoints but it has it, it being red pilled is not converting to the far right being red pilled is supposedly being woke up now that's a very nebulous concept for example some people might get red pilled on you know uh the you know what they consider to be the truth about a particular faith or you know or they might get red pilled on a particular issue like and, and they think okay well i used to believe this but actually i've looked into it now and and political history is telling me this doesn't necessarily mean you go and completely jump in into the far-right belief system at all um you don't hear it as frequently that people um come back from far-right beliefs but they call that getting bread pilled when that happens which is a play on words of red pilling so it's got nothing to do with far-right beliefs um and it's about breaking free from the illusion of reality um <clears throat> a european research group vox poll all righty um conducted a separate analysis of nearly 30,000 twitter accounts affiliated with the alt-right it found that the accounts linked to youtube more often than any other site i mean again like as as data points these are really thin and flimsy what about 30,000 um accounts linked to isis they but they link to youtube the most what about 30,000 uh, accounts linked to children's television i bet they link to youtube more than any other group turns out as we've established youtube is pretty fucking popular you know it's like it, it, it doesn't mean that just because people are linking youtube videos on twitter which is kind of one of the ways that you share content um that it means youtube itself is a radicalization hub that is th those two things do not correlate uh anyway youtube has been able to fly under the radar because until recently no one thought of it as a place where radicalization is happening and again objectively false because since 2016 and i will show you articles that prove this since 2016 the media have been attacking youtube as a radicalization hub because she lost the election and it can never be allowed to happen again so everything became alt-right and there's a guardian article from 2016 um youtube uh, was feeding me alt-right poison or something 
It's been going on for years. You and YouTube has taken steps. Every I can't believe I'm having to defend YouTube. This is fucking mental. YouTube has taken increasing steps every time to placate the media. Every time they've said, "Hey, YouTube's radicalizing people." Again, using the broadest term of radicalization, lumping people in who aren't radical or even right wing with people who are alt right and are racists and are bad people. Right? They link it all together. And then they say, yeah, no, like, that's radical. You're being radicalized. You watched a PewDiePie video. You're being radicalized. Yeah, it, it's insane. Um, so this is from Becca Lewis, who studies online extremism for the nonprofit data and society. But it's where young people are getting their information and entertainment. And it's a space where creators are broadcasting political content that at times is overtly white supremacist. I visited Mr. Kane in West Virginia after seeing his YouTube video denouncing the far right. We spent hours discussing this radicalization. To back up his recollections, he downloaded and sent me his entire YouTube history, a log of more than 12,000 videos and more than 2,500 search queries dating back to 2015. These interviews and data points form a picture of a disillusioned young man, an internet-savvy group of right-wing re reactionaries, and a powerful algorithm that learns to connect the two. It suggests that YouTube may have played a role in steering Mr. Kane and other young men like him towards the far-right fringes. It also suggests that in time, YouTube is capable of steering them in very different directions, right? So, um, just to uh, show you how this works, right? And it's very interesting, isn't it? That it doesn't show you the names of these channels, okay? So what he said he did was, right, right-wing content... And I don't trust Kevin Roos to classify what's right-wing content, frankly. Right-wing content is in pink. Intellectual dark web, right? Like the popular comedian Joe Rogan and political commentator Dave Rubin. That's not the intellectual dark web at all. Those people, those people don't adopt that moniker. That's ridiculous. Intellectual dark web? Right? And then, um, during 2017, Mr. Kane began watching more videos from left-wing channels. Which, hang on, <laughs> isn't the whole point of this piece about how once you're in the rabbit hole, you get radicalized? How, how does this happen then? So you're telling me that after, after two years, YouTube starts recommending him almost exclusively leftist content? How's that working? How's that working? How does that show YouTube radicalize? This data disproves your point. That is mental, isn't it, to leave that in? So, um, the in pink, going back to 2015, 2016. Right, Mr. Kane viewed in 2015 and 2016 uh, videos that are, uh, often by Stefan Molyneux, which is where he started, with titles like Social Justice Warriors Always Lie and The Global Warming Hoax. Yes, Stefan Molyneux is a hack. <laughs> He's terrible. He's awful. Um, and even I, you could probably find me saying uh years ago that i didn't think he was a white supremacist I completely recant all of that stuff because he he's just said too much stuff about iq you know and as i think i've showed it before there's a series of tweets where he like says um you know society will collapse if it has too many people with low iq in it also unreal un uh, and uh, 
we should therefore remove people with low IQ. Unrelated, his sub-Saharan African IQ. And it's like, dude, like, all right, we, we fucking get it, you racist cunt. We, we you know, I, I see what you're trying to do there. You know what I mean? Um, anyway, so then, right, it seems that while he was watching this, he was also watching stuff like Dave Rubin and Joe Rogan. And then in 2017, miraculously, he just gets leftism in his diet. So this says to me, not only did he not fall down the alt-right rabbit hole, he actually was pulled out and dropped into a left-wing rabbit hole. Because <laughs> the data that you have used verifies that. I, I think maybe that when Kevin Roos put this together, he was just hoping you wouldn't actually look at the pictures. But, like, if I was including this, I'd have been like, wait, this completely disproves my, my writing. Like, can we leave this out, actually? Can I, or can we just say, oh, and look, here it is up to 2017. Even though right at the start of the article, we talk about how it was for five years. It took him five years to get out, and yet you only show two years of it. So the, the premise is that even in, in the months... <clears throat> Where he, where he consumed by far more left-wing content, content from left-wing channels. The fact that he consumed any right-wing content is a bad thing. Seems reasonable. Um, anyway. Brings up 4chan, because of course... Uh, then it talks about this, and this is important, right? Because Stefan Molyneux, a lot of people don't know what a fucking crazy creep Stefan Molyneux is. I think, wasn't he investigated for, like, um, some fucking, for running some sort of weird cult or something? Like, it, it, there's a lot of stuff uh, about Stefan Molyneux that people really need to fucking start looking into. Uh, but anyway, um, like Mr. Kane, Mr. Molyneux had a difficult childhood. He talked about overcoming hardships through self-improvement. He seemed smart and passionate. He wrestled with big questions. Molyneux described himself as an anarcho-capitalist. Don't know what that is. Um, also had a political agenda. He was a men's rights advocate who said that feminism was a form of socialism and progressive gender politics were holding young men back. He offered conservative commentary on pop culture and current events, explaining why Disney's Frozen was an allegory about female vanity or why the fatal shooting of an unarmed black teenage by a white police officer was proof of the dangers of rap culture you're not even a real journalism hey yeah he, that's right his videos are Almost bad there yeah th good on you man appreciate the the 10 months good on you dude um so here's a 48 hour snapshot of what kane watched in 2015 wait a 48 hour snapshot what do you mean that's two days apart Oh, I see. Right, okay, good. Right, so let's scroll through this, right? So he watched The Market Value of Female Sexuality by Stephen Molyneux. He watched What Pisses Me Off About the Oregon Shooting and Chris Mercer Harper. He then watched End Selfishness Now, a motivational play. Was mich an der europäischen Fluchtlingskrise Ergert, or Ergert. Don't know what that means. German's not that good enough. 
Stefan Molyneux's epic fail, which is unavailable now. Uh, SJW feminists whine about mean tweets, ignore real rape culture, hashtag Gamergate. How Metal Gear Solid 2 predicted SJWs. What's that? Bud Dwyer's live suicide. That's the guy <clears throat> who uh, killed himself <clears throat> for for because he was accused of political corruption, and he did totally didn't do it. And he killed himself at a press conference. And uh, Filter wrote a song called "Hey Man, Nice Shot," sort of alluding to the fact that it was good he killed himself because he was a corrupt politician. And then it turned out he was completely innocent. He never did any of the things he was accused of. Um, uh, and that came out many years later, thanks to his estate continuing to pursue uh, justice for him. Man commits suicide on news live television. So, don't, uh, guessing he was watching a lot of suicide videos for some reason. Uh, viewer discretion advice, suicide caught live on TV. Teens promised Illuminati membership in return for sex. Illuminati, right. So, guys. Okay. This this is meant to demonstrate how he's being politically radicalized. These are the types of videos that you watch at like 4 a.m. when you're battered and your brain stops working. And it's, you know what I mean? Like, he's like literally believing that fucking bad boy records had an insight into whether or not the Illuminati was fucking real. Right? Um... Panicked mainstream media begins killing off comment sections. The mainstreaming of pedophilia, which was a response to that Salon article, which I think we even talked about on my podcast. Uh-oh, I'm in the crosshairs. Chatting with the Gadfather, that's Professor Gad Sad, who bangs on about Islam all the time. The rise of cultural libertarianism with the now-retired Lawrence Southern. Feminism wants your soul, the Flamengo file. The Safe Space Ploy Flamengo File Episode 5. Anita Sarkeesian asks Google and United Nations to ban her critics. That did happen. <laughs> um, unknown. Facebook censorship. What they're not telling you. Facebook isn't telling us lots of things. Uh, selfie culture by men going their own way. Mugtow. Um, Neo-masculinity. The male backlash against toxic women by paul joseph watson the mainstreaming of pedophilia another reaction to that salon article by paul joseph watson um honey badger radio 24 anita and zoe's excellent un adventure the honey uh, badger radio is women um what is a conservative by syrian girl uh, partisan If I remember rightly, I think it was Syrian girl partisan was called a Russian bot or something during uh, during the last uh, round of that bullshit. Tesla Model 5 v Holden V8 supercar. <laughs> like, drag race. Brilliant. He's gone into a drag racing binge. What does that even say? Syrian girl blows the lid off the migrant crisis, I'm going to guess. The truth about ISIS with Syrian girl. The truth about rape culture. Racist facts white people don't talk about. 
Black man to white people, arm yourself. Black are now more racist than white. The doctor of common sense. That's the most... That's the most fucking skeptic name I've ever heard in my life. Uh, hello, Dr. Common Sense. Where's my pipe when I need it? Fuck. Dr. Common Sense here. Let me tell you how black people are the real racist. <laughs> fucking get me out of that, by the way. Get me all the way out uh, of, a, of a Dr. Common Sense video. Holy shit. Um... Racist whites by black. Oh, well, yeah, whatever. Okay, that's not cool. Um, <clears throat> so I'll what I'll say here is um, that those videos, like I'd say, fifty percent of them are pretty fucking benign. And this is, by the way, at a time when, if you look at the data set just above it, this is supposedly when he was watching his most radical content. And then it's like, listen. Um, <laughs> this next paragraph is too much, mate. Over time, he watched dozens of clips by Stephen Crowder, my sympathies, a conservative comedian, and Paul Joseph Watson, a prominent right-wing conspiracy theorist who was barred by Facebook this year. Yeah, he was barred by Facebook this year because of his association with InfoWars. Um, who are completely deplatformed on Facebook. Um, let's not. Let, let, but, I mean, you could include that so it doesn't look like you just did something mental. But no, we've got to be selective with our information. Like, why is the truth just never enough for journalists? Why is it like we must manipulate the, the truth by um, omitting facts or just straight up lying? Why? Why not just say... As he works for InfoWars. And then everyone would go, okay, yeah, well, InfoWars got deplatformed. That would actually probably do more to discredit him in a way. But instead, you ha, ha he was banned off Facebook this year. He didn't break any of their law, uh, terms of service. It was just that everyone deplatformed InfoWars at the same time. He became entranced by Lauren Southern, a far-right Canadian activist whom he started referring to as his fashy bay or fascist crush. <laughs> oh, no. He was at least 21 when he was doing that. These people weren't all shouty demagogues. They were entertainers, building their audience with satirical skits, debates, and interviews with like-minded creators. Some of them were part of the alt-right, a loose cohort of pro-Trump activists who sandwiched white nationalism between layers of internet sarcasm. Others considered themselves alt-light or merely anti-progressive. Well, you definitely haven't listed anyone alt-right there. Um, oh, and th yeah, this is not the most cringe in the article. Yeah, you you've obviously read it, IK3 Noob. Holy shit, it gets far worse. Um, and then just to basically 
explain. I'll just include a paragraph to reiterate why I'm focused on YouTube and not any of the other platforms that, you know, we kind of have to rely upon as mainstream media, you know. Um, these creators were active on Facebook and Twitter too, but YouTube was their headquarters and a place where they could earn a living by hawking merchandise and getting a cut of the money spent on advertisements that accompany their videos. Actually, you hawk merchandise off YouTube, inarguably so. You might advertise it on YouTube, but you do not sell it there. So that's a lie again. That you know, little details. Got to make it just sound worse. Got to jazz it up. Few of them had overt ties to establishment conservative groups, and there was little talk about tax cuts or trade policy on their channels. Instead, they rallied around issues like free speech and anti-feminism, portraying themselves as truth-telling rebels, doing battle against humorless social justice warriors. Their videos felt like episodes in a long-running soap opera with a constant stream of new heroes and villains. To Mr. Kane, all of this felt like forbidden knowledge, as if just by watching some YouTube videos, he had been let into an exclusive club. When I found this stuff, I felt like I was chasing uncomfortable truths, he told me. I felt like it was giving me power and, res and respect and authority. Um, right, we'll skip past this part. Uh... Uh, so it's just talking about here how, like, when YouTube changed the rules, that it was like any a partnered channel, um, that, in other words, to get partnered became easier, and any partnered channel could run ads, so they weren't being personally vetted by YouTube. This change somehow benefits only the far right, uh, for some reason, and not any other, uh, political leaning on, on, on the channel, uh, on, on the platform, rather. Uh... YouTube people speaking out about it. We'll get to that later, actually. The new AI reinforce you talked about earlier. Um, how it can lead people away from stuff, which it clearly did. Uh, disproving the premise of the whole article. Um, right. And this is relevant to what we'll talk about later on as well. YouTube's recommendation system is not set in stone. The company makes many small changes every year and has already introduced a version of its algorithm that it switched on after major news events to promote videos from authoritative sources over conspiracy theories and partisan content. I'm sure you've noticed this, right? If you've ever watched a video on, um, you know, even, even if it's like, you know, for example, I think one I was watching the other day for some reason, I was like doing a, I think I'm working on a show where we talk about why George Bush is the worst president ever, um, just to sort of contrast it. You know, we're going to get it done ahead of the next election, maybe. Um, but anyway, so I was looking at like George Bush when he was being interviewed about like what actually happened on 9-11 by journalists. And, um, and yeah, definitely W, by the way. Uh, George Bush Sr. was a piece of shit, uh, but nobody beats w dick cheney all those guys all of those guys in fact i would go as far as to say the only person that served in that administration that i sort of have any respect for is probably fucking colin powell that's a separate thing like colin powell um actually said uh years after the whole um 
when they presented false intelligence, so we went to war with Iraq, you know, it's justification for war, and it was all false, unvetted intelligence. Um, they, he basically said that reading that speech to uh, to Congress, um, or was it at NATO? Anyway, he said that reading that speech was like one of the greatest shames of, of his political career. So, I mean, like, he obviously had a conscience about it. Meanwhile, fucking George Bush is just there, you know, fucking painting and being like, <laughs> yeah, this is great. Yeah, brilliant. Love that guy. Hmm. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, I, I was watching a video like about where George Bush was being interviewed, and because he is asked a question about 9-11, underneath it had a thing like, 9-11 was a tragedy totally and 100% committed by Osama bin Laden, exclusively by him, with, uh, <laughs> the, and the American government wasn't at, at worst or best asleep at the wheel when it happened. It was one of those, like, it was like, don't, no questions here, here's a link to Wikipedia. I'm like, really guys? Like, I don't know about, you know, fair enough, I guess. Like, literally it cordoned it off. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. And like when you consider even Michael Moore implied in um, uh, um, Fahrenheit 9-11, um, you know, he, he even implied that George Bush, that, you know, his intelligence had sort of somehow decided, well, if it happens, it happens. Um, it, it's very strange that YouTube are putting up this big cord and you must not watch any videos about it. And, they're act and now they're actively pulling down uh, any videos that question the contents of the 9-11 report. So, again, it's great, isn't it, when a big tech oligarch gets pressured by supposedly independent independent media and the fourth estate to remove anybody critical of the official version which contains demonstrable lies and, in just some cases, it doesn't even address any of the important stuff. You know, but why, why, why would it be any different when Dick Cheney and George W. Bush said they would only testify to the 9-11 Commission, not under oath and only in private? And without it being recorded. So, you know, nothing to see here, folks. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Anyway. So it's it's good. <laughs> it's like that episode of The Twilight Zone. The, the good life. It's good that YouTube did that. It's good YouTube doing that. So you'll, you'll see it. Um, you know, when you, when you're clicking around, if you go up on a video with anything that's like contentious or has a conspiracy theory attached to it, go watch a flat earth video right now. And like, I think underneath is like a Wikipedia link to the globe. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just absurd. It, it's, it's just absurd where we're at. Um, uh, yeah, whatever. Uh. And trust me, people like Eddie Bravo, they need that. <laughs> Eddie Bravo needs that. Eddie Bravo needs to put down the pipe, go in a fucking rehab, and then just be shown a fucking globe for a month with just nothing else in his room. And just, <laughs> yeah, you'll be better now. Um, yeah, under any video talking about climate change, for example, is, you know, the link to, you know, whatever. Um, so it, so it's, it's there. Any, anything contentious and understand, you know, Obviously, I, I know the Earth is spherical, and I know climate change is real, and, uh, you know, whatever. Um, 
I think disagreeing with the official version of 9-11, which includes a predicate for war based on a paper passport being pulled out of a flaming wreckage that destroyed uh, two of the largest buildings in the world, incinerated two jet fucking planes. But this passport just so happened to survive, flutter down onto the street. And hey, everyone, we can go to war with Iraq because this guy's connected to another guy who talked to Al-Qaeda once. That's all true, by the way. Go look that up. No, but no, 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 no. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Yeah, I think questioning that. I think YouTube should give me that one, but evidently not. We go, we go to the Wikipedia page. That's okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, I fucked up the vod, haven't I? So that's what YouTube's doing. That's what it means when it says it pushes authoritative sources. This past week, the company announced that it would expand that approach so that a person who had watched a series of conspiracy theory videos would be nudged towards videos from more authoritative news sources. It also said that a January change to its algorithm to reduce the spread of so-called borderline videos had resulted in significantly less traffic to those videos. And we talked about that before with the crowded stuff. Now, if your video is deemed to be borderline, what the fuck does borderline to being right wing mean what is that <laughs> so this includes philly d and pewdiepie and you know all this other stuff you are basically being your content can be banned or not recommended or suppressed because somebody looks at it and goes this sounds almost conservative fuck that so that's where we're at so keep in mind what I am supposed to believe, the premise of this article, that despite that being true, despite the article saying it's true, um, apparently right-wing extremism can flourish on a system, a platform, where anything borderline conservative even will be put into a suppressed state of availability. I don't buy it, guys. Um, anyway... By the night of November 8th, 2016. Oh, it's, oh, it's the election again, isn't it? Ah, oh, why? <laughs> oh, boomer. Ah, oh, this election, dude. I have never seen, like, the... I've never seen a way with which we can just pinpoint a, a descent into mass psychosis before. Like, always, it's kind of, like, curious. Like, how did that happen? How did that cultural change come? There it is. It was her turn. It was her turn and it didn't happen. And because of that, everybody goes mad. Because, well, the Huffington Post said she was 97% likely to win. And they said Donald Trump was a Nazi. The Nazis are taking over. No, people just went out and voted, dog. Like, it ain't even a thing. It's just it's not that big a deal. Like, just ride it out. It's just four years of a president you don't like doing things you don't like. Must have happened before in your lifetime if you're old enough to vote. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? How everyone just lost their mind. Like, literally, people you thought were sensible and sane, and probably were, November 8th, 2016, they were mental. They, they, they woke up insane and have been insane ever since. And I don't know if they'll ever not I don't know if they'll ever get back to be insane. That's the tragedy of it. It's mental. Anyway. By the night of November 8th, 2016, Mr. Kane's transformation was complete. 
He spent much of the night watching clips of Miss Clinton supporters crying. They're brilliant. I love them. I've watched them. Am I getting radicalized when I watch them? I think that's fucking hilarious. I think that's fucking hilarious. It's still hilarious. Um, <laughs> watching clips of Miss Clinton supporters crying after the election was called in Mr. Trump's favor. His YouTube viewing history shows that at 1.41 a.m., just before bed, he turned on a live stream hosted by Mr. Crowder with the title, Trump Wins. It felt like a punk rock moment, almost like being in high school again, Mr. Kane said. I think a lot of people that were politically neutral were even jubilant when Trump won, despite what the media might want to peddle. Because Hillary Clinton was a loathsome candidate who rigged her own primary to get put front and center with a history of all sorts of political shenanigans, you know, some sort of weird fucked up Democrat neocon establishment you know just everything about her is just fucking gross and slimy so if you were just opting out of that election because donald trump's a fucking fat boorish billionaire piece of shit from new york who is every time he opens his mouth proves himself to be an idiot you know if you if, if you if you opted out of that election and you saw the boorish millionaire billionaire idiot win over the disgusting established uh, cr political criminal then you know yeah probably did feel a bit punk rock especially given people naturally gravitate towards the underdog you know like just saying that year mr kane's youtube consumption had skyrocketed oh yeah give me that youtube belt round his arm give me that fucking youtube he got a job packing boxes at a furniture warehouse where he would listen to podcasts and watch videos by his favorite YouTube creators all day. He fell asleep to YouTube videos at night. His phone propped up on a pillow. Probably he's watching his fashy bay. In all, he watched nearly 4,000 YouTube videos in 2016. Part-timer. More than double the number he'd watched in the previous year. Not all of those videos were political. Mr. Kane's viewing history shows that he sought out videos about his other interests, including cars, music, and crypto. Of course, he's a fucking cryptard. Cryptocurrency trading. But the bulk of his media diet came from far-right channels. And after the election, he began exploring a part of YouTube with a darker, more radical group of creators. These people didn't couch their racist and anti-Semitic views in sarcastic memes. And they didn't speak in dog whistles. One channel, run by Jared Taylor, the editor of the white nationalist magazine American Renaissance, posted videos with titles like Refugee Invasion is European Suicide. Other posted clips of interviews with white supremacists like Richard Spencer and David Duke. Mr. Kane never bought... Ah, oh, this is the key part. So, listen. Richard Spencer, definite racist, white nationalist, piece of shit. Can't stand him. Um, David Duke, obvious fucking ass clown. Um, they've kept quiet about him uh, uh, promoting Ilhan Omar, though, uh, in the Democratic Party. <laughs> um, 
they, they he says i endorse everything she says because she's anti-israel <laughs> i love her no hasn't been blanket coverage about that yet i do seem to remember that even when donald trump disavowed david duke on something like no less than 28 separate occasions people were saying well why will donald trump disavow him no I'm, I, he has he's disavowed him like 28 times on this campaign trail alone there's video footage of him doing it there's video footage of him saying he's not going to do it again um but it's but it's fine it's fine it's fine and meanwhile david duke was going yeah ilhan omar's brilliant i might even vote democrat because of her <laughs> and everyone's like no oh, fucking hell fucking hell all of those think pieces with the headline what does it say about your political party if david duke endorses it all of those headlines fucking scrap it burn him throw him out get him out and again it's this it's this idea that you know we, we you you it's here's the narrative we all know david duke's a piece of shit and david duke's endorsed a republican by extension the republicans are a piece of shit he's endorsed donald trump donald trump must be a racist must be kkk must be the same as him donald trump's disavowed him donald trump's even in the past historically said he wants nothing to do with politics if david duke's going to be involved or even loosely affiliated with a party he has got a decades old history of saying negative things about david duke but you have to believe that because david duke has said he likes donald trump the, that, that donald trump and him are the same now david Duke is saying he likes Ilhan Omar or might come back to the Democrats, all of a sudden we got to shut up and pretend that isn't happening. And well, actually, uh, well, what does that mean? I mean, he's clearly doing it to be a troll. And who listens to David Duke anyway? Yeah, it's weird when the boot's on the other fucking foot. If only there was a way to consistently apply these rules. Shame all the media's fucking wrapped up. Shame. Wonder why they want to shut down YouTube, guys. Anyway. This is the key part. How many times has have we been told over the course of this article that the guy that it's about, Caleb Kane, is alt-right? Off the top of my head, I can count five or six. So, Mr. Kane never bought into the far right's most extreme views, like Holocaust denial or the need for a white ethnostate. Wait, what? But that it, those are the defining qualities of being alt-right and being a white nationalist. So, again, <laughs> let me just get this straight, okay? The premise of the article is that YouTube radicalizes people, yet, despite a chart that shows his content consumption got more left-wing over the five years you invoke as proof, and despite the fact that he was exposed to right-wing content, he never actually believed any of the extreme right-wing beliefs. You decide to include all this and go, see, look, you got radicalized. Real fucking radical when he won't actually believe the radical component of it. Like, how? How can you be putting this article together as a journalist and be like, yep, that does it. Got him. That proves everything. Like, you have dis every time you've presented anecdotal or data-driven evidence, you have disproved the central premise of the article. It's just crazy. And yeah, exactly, Mr. Sabre 1132. It is. When you start to realize that 
yeah, there's right-wing fucking hustlers and grifters. But, mate, they got them on the other side, too. And the worst grifters of all are the people that come out and try and make it out. Like, oh, we are just but lowly journalists who are so weak and have no voice and no power. And we work for these failing publications that are pro only propped up by the grace of benevolent corporations. Fuck you, man. That's the worst hustle at all. It's so transparent what you're doing. You put out a fucking sensationalist headline and people just read that and don't read any of the substantive part of your article, which makes it, uh, your narrative strand look like an, a, an absolute mockery. Looks like it was written by somebody on fucking DMT, just moving from one fractured idea to another. It, it's ridiculous. It, there's no coherence here. What, what at all? You know? Anyway, um, so Mr. Kane never bought into the far right's most extreme views. So YouTube radicalized him to a point that he never became radical. Got you. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, still, far right ideology bled into his daily life. He began referring to himself as a tradcon. A traditional conservative committed to old-fashioned gender no it, How is that? L listen, I don't subscribe to that belief. I don't subscribe to that belief. And I, frankly, I don't give a fuck. I just got better things to think about. Call yourself whatever, frankly. If it's silly, if I think it's silly, I might point it out. But I don't think, you know, if a guy gets uh, gender reassignment and becomes a woman, vice versa, whatever. It's like, I just don't care. I just don't care. Just like, let's just treat people like humans. You know, that's where I'm at, right? I don't understand why some people get hung up on it. But some people do, and that's not far right. Some people believe they have a scientific basis for the argument. I don't think those people are evil, or far right, or radical, or neo-Nazi. It's just a point of view, isn't it? It's just a point of view. I saw a video the other day uh of uh, a, a, a scottish student being uh suspended by school because in class he said i believe there are only two genders and it's like if a school isn't a place to have that discussion then where is it where do we have that talk and again we all know what the what society's dominant viewpoint is now, but it doesn't make you a radical alt-right, far-right person if you want to have that discussion and you don't believe the prescribed narrative. And it's an incredibly dangerous pigeonholing of thought and narrowing of intellectual scope if you say it is. So he called himself a traditional conservative. By the way, a traditional conservative has nothing in common with the alt-right. So, you know, might have some problematic thoughts themselves like this, but they have nothing in common with the alt-right. Um, so he called himself a tradcon, and we're now going to have to ride out this lie and pretend that he was radicalized. Uh, he dated an evangelical Christian woman, and he fought with his liberal friends. Oh, no. He dated an evangelical. Like, how dare he? How dare he? Don't you know what those evangelicals believe? How dare he date an evangelical woman? Don't get me wrong. I'm sure she was an insufferable twat. Right? But his choice. But no, evangelical woman. Bad. 
Some of Mr. Kane's... Uh, oh, wait. It was kind of sad, said Zelda White, a friend of Mr. Kane's from high school. I was just like, wow, what happened? How did you get this way? In other words, disagreeing with his liberal friends. You know, I've got friends that are more liberal than, than even me. And we have disagreements sometimes. I've got friends who are to the right of me and we disagree. It, like, you can disagree with your friends, guys. It's okay. If, if a friendship can't survive a disagreement, it's probably not really a friendship. Just, just letting you know that in advance, right? Rules to live by. Some of Mr. Kane's favorite YouTube creators were shifting their politics too. Mr. Molyneux in particular seemed to be veering further to the right. Oh yes, this part is fair. He fixated on race realism. Yep, he surely did. He surely did. Uh, as Mr. Molyneux promoted white nationalists, his YouTube channel kept growing. He now has more than 900,000 subscribers and his video has been watched nearly 300 million times. Of course, by this point, as we saw, um, Caleb wasn't watching Stephen Molyneux. Caleb was watching a lot of left-wing content. So, not too sure how this is relevant to how Caleb got radicalized when he didn't even get radicalized, but okay. Uh, neither Mr. Molyneux or Miss Southern responded to a request for comment. Um, okay. And then they quote Stefan Molyneux saying, if you ban people's videos, you're not really stopping them. In 2018, nearly four years after Mr. Kane had begun watching far-right wing YouTube videos, a new kind of video began appearing in his recommendations. These videos were made by left-wing creators, but they mimicked the aesthetics of right-wing YouTube. I don't know what they are. A ContraPoints video doesn't look like any right-wing YouTuber video I've ever seen, by the way. She makes really cool videos. Um, don't agree with them all, but uh, the level of work and craft that goes into them is phenomenal. Um... These videos are made by left-wing uh, creators, but they mimic the aesthetics of right-wing YouTube down to the combative titles and the mocking use of words like triggered and snowflake. Um, one video was a debate about immigration between Miss Southern and Stephen Burnell, a liberal YouTuber known as Destiny. Hey, Kevin, my advice, maybe don't dig too much into his past, brother, because, uh, and you know, I, I think when you use the phrase low IQ N-word to describe another human being... You know, you lose a bit of your liberal credentials, don't you? You can debate everyone and call them idiots, but, um, yeah, probably something to think about, innit? Um, Mr. Kane watched the video to cheer on Miss Southern, his fashy bae, but Mr. Bunnell was a better debater, and Mr. Kane reluctantly declared him the winner. Mr. Kane also found videos by Natalie Wynn, a former academic philosopher who goes by the name ContraPoint. Miss Wynn wore elaborate costumes and did drag-style performances in which she explained why Western culture wasn't under attack from immigrants and why race was a social construct. Unlike most progressives, Mr. Kane had seen t uh, take on the right. Mr. Bunnell and Miss Wynn were funny and engaging. They spoke the native language of YouTube, and they didn't get outraged by far-right ideas. Instead, they rolled their eyes at them and made them seem shallow and unsophisticated. 
I noticed the right-wing people were taking these old-fashioned knee-jerk reactionary politics and packing them as edgy punk rock, Miss Wynn told me. One of my goals was to take the excitement out of it. When Mr. Kane first saw these videos, he dismissed them as left-wing propaganda, but he watched more, and he started to wonder if people like Miss Wynn had a point. Her videos persuasively used research and citations to rebut the right-wing talking points he had absorbed. I just kept watching more and more of that content, sympathizing and empathizing with her, and also seeing that, wow, she really knows what she's talking about. Oh, oh, this is unfortunate. Oh, no. Miss Wynn and Mr. Bennell are part of a new group of YouTubers who are trying to build a counterweight to YouTube's far-right flank. The group calls itself BreadTube. Oh. oh, no. Oh, no. A reference to the left-wing anarchist Peter Kropotkin's 1892 book, The Conquest of Bread. It also includes people like Oliver Thorne, a British philosopher. Blah, blah. Oh, man, I never thought I'd say this. I feel so sorry for Stephen. The poor guy getting lumped in with the fucking bread tubers like shit. Oh, God. Oh, no. Like, straight up, like, obviously we don't talk anymore, man, but no one deserves that. No one deserves that, especially because that's, like, a like, inarguably, even now, with the 180 in politics he's done. Okay, it's not actually a 180, it's like a 175. Um, because there is just, uh... There's just no way, like, he's got it. Like, BreadTube, a lot of them are, like, you know, socialists and smash the system, anarcho, you know, uh, anarchists and stuff, which is why they are named after Kropotkin, one of the, um, you know, uh, founders of, um, you know, uh, what was it, anarcho-socialism, which I always thought was oxymoronic when I read about it at college, uh, but whatever. Um, yeah, like, Stephen isn't in that group. He's a very different beast. Um, and their audience is insufferable. It's like with the, it's like the Chapo Trap House people. This is what I mean. I, you know, um, basically what you have on the internet, yeah, right, is like you've got, uh, you've got like personality archetypes, and uh, in in this column over here, let's say, there's just like fucking losers, like just people who are just desperate to latch on to anything and then be like completely over the top and make that thing their entire identity. And those people actually will just gravitate to any extremist group, it, you know. That in, in this is what I mean. The 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 alt right losers and the chapo cells, they've got like way more in common than they would care to fucking look at if they actually analyzed it. Nobody deserves that shit in in your audience. Um, of either denomination because they're just fucking losers that just want to take things to the most far extremes because they've got nothing else going on in their lives so yeah like fuck steven doesn't deserve getting lumped in with that at all that's like that like sucks because i know as well like um, obviously again not talking to him but i think it's apparent like there's there's a component of his audience he has right now that he wishes he just didn't have <laughs> it was like it was good for a while but you opened up the floodgates and some of those uh, some of those losers and lunatics have gravitated towards you now this article will not help with that and it's such a mischaracterization of his beliefs by lumping him in with bread tube natalie and destiny made a bridge over to my side mr kane said and i was interested and it was interesting and compelling enough that I walked across it. 
Um, see, and here's the thing. I don't think ContraPoints is like... I don't think it's fair to classify her as BreadTube, honestly. I think she is more like socialist-leaning than Steven is. But I don't see a lot of her videos. Like, I've, I've pretty much watched every video she's ever put out. I don't, um, I don't recall any video where she's, like, advocating... Um, for you know so socialism per se or any of that stuff where you see a lot, a lot of the bread tubers and the chapo guys are like that um you know her stuff's like a lot more philosophical in nature her stuff about like um autogynophobia and, and stuff like that's really interesting but um but yeah very very bizarre characterization here but i mean this kevin roos doesn't really know what he's doing does he because i mean he's characterizing dating an evangelical christian as some sort of indication that you're an alt-right radical so i mean what the fuck you know it's not even the most absurd thing in the in the article is it um unfortunately the alt-right got a big head start on finding ways to appeal to white men said uh, american johnson a youtuber who runs a left-wing channel called non-compete we're late to the party but i think we will build a narrative that will stand strong against that alt-right narrative you just present the facts <laughs> you could always just do that i don't know why building a narrative is so important um blah 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 in a real journalism that's right. Millie Vanilli. Millie Vanilli. Uh, shortly after... Oh, yeah, because this is the other thing as well. By the way, um, we'll get into that now because the article's kind of coming to an end. It goes back to the start of the article. You know, ooh, I bet he's thinking I'm going to get a Pulitzer for this. Ooh, yeah. Look, I've, you know, I've, I've made the article journalism. circular and told his whole That's story. Right. And we're back at the start of the article now. You know, ooh, it's just like Fight Club. Ooh, I'm, aren't I clever? Right, fuck you, Kevin Roos. Um, so, yeah, basically, uh, it goes back to the start of the article, talking about his new life. Um, right. Uh, what is mo most surprising about Mr. Kane's new life on the surface is how similar it feels to his old one. He still watches dozens of YouTube videos every day and hangs on the word of his favorite creators. In other words, the, the new left-wing ones. It is still different at times to tell where the YouTube algorithm stops and his personality begins. Perhaps this shouldn't be a surprise. Our political culture is now built largely on shape-shifting internet platforms, which have made f flipping partisan allegiances as easy as changing hairstyles. It's possible that vulnerable young men like Mr. Kane will drift away from radical groups as they grow up and find stability elsewhere. It's also possible this kind of whiplash polarization is its day as political factions gain and lose traction online. Yeah, who knows, Kevin? Maybe I'm right. Maybe what I'm saying is right. It's the people that are fucked. Yeah, just saying. They'll go. They'll gravitate towards anything. Reward them for saying the fucking bad racist shit. Right? Reward them for saying the ridiculous. Let's smash the system, destroy capitalism. America's the most evil entity in the world. Blah blah. Whatever. You know. I'm, I'm a I'm a mad progressive now. You know. Reward me for that. It's ridiculous. Near the end of our interview, I told Mr. Kane I found it odd that he'd successfully climbed out of a right wing. Wait. You said he didn't. You said he got radicalized. Out of a right-wing YouTube rabbit hole, only to jump into a left-wing YouTube rabbit hole. I asked if he had considered cutting back on his video intake altogether and rebuild some of his offline relationships. He hesitated and looked slightly confused. For all of its problems, he said, YouTube is still where political battles are fought and won. Leaving the platform would essentially mean abandoning the debate. He conceded, though, that he needed to think critically about the videos he watched. YouTube is the place to put out a message, he said, but I've learned now that you can't go to YouTube and think that you're getting some kind of education because you're not. So, basically, right, 
The article says YouTube's radicalizing people, and to prove that it's radicalizing people, it gives it gives us evidence of a person who in no way was radicalized, didn't even believe some of the, con the, the, the core beliefs of some of the content he was watching and consuming. And YouTube, because of pressure from the mainstream media to push people away from anything vaguely right-wing, even Joe Rogan, uh, actually pushed him into a left-wing rabbit hole by the author's own admission, but hey, that's okay. <laughs> it's mental! This article is garbage! This article is absolute garbage. Now, as I said before, one of the things you've got to remember about uh, Kevin Roos is that, um, well, first of all, Kevin Roos has a real weird hard-on for, for YouTube. Because um, here he was uh, talking in the New York Times. Come on, XSplit, give it to me, baby. Like Offspring. Right? He did a... He did an article claiming uh, at the end of 2018 um, that the year in review rewind had set off a civil war, right? And in this, he gets into some very weird territory um, where he starts talking about PewDiePie and he starts talking about Nazi jokes and anti-Semitism and dog whistling and radicalization and it's like wait a minute this is your thing dude this is your thing dude this is like literally what you write about all the time this is like this is a this is a guy that just constantly complains about how YouTube's radicalizing people, and that was his best work, his best presentation. What we just broke down is the proof that it's radicalizing people when the when the data and the anecdotes actually verify the opposite. So, I don't know, guys. I'm I'm not sold on Kevin Roos as a journalist. But here's another thing that you need to um, think about. Um, Kevin Roos didn't really um, didn't really analyze whether or not that the person he was interviewing had a vested interest to be lying to him. Now, one of the things you do in journalism, um, I want to talk about gatekeeping. No, one of the things you do in journalism is you have to look at any particular ulterior motive that because this is an article about um interviewing 12 guys who all claim to be radicalized by youtube this is an article where you have took one guy and you're using him to hang the whole point of uh, you know your article on him right based on his experience and the information he's giving you well the thing is um he's actually a youtuber himself and uh when he when he started uh like the the, vid the video he referenced goes back to uh march right and you're not even a real journalism that's right basically for some reason i just can't quit you <laughs> thanks i can't quit you either so this guy um this guy put this uh, uh, video out um, quite a while ago, 
Uh, basically, let's say it was on his channel, Faraday Speaks, called My Descent into the Alt-Right Pipeline. Now, again, understand, he's doing the exact same thing that the article did. And that is that... Even a granny can be your weapon. Yeah, even, even a granny. Watch the world premiere trailer on YouTube. Yeah, Ubisoft make another shit open world game. Check it out. Right? So he made this YouTube video called My Descent into the Alt-Right Pipeline, um, where he talks about how I became radicalized into a far-right reactionary movement. And I won't... It's, this is like a 40-minute video. And this video is like really... I don't know. It's a bit bizarre. Like, this... this there's quotes in this video if you want to go check it out yourself where he says things like i'm gonna quit my job and stay at home and just watch destiny videos like and it's like wait what but you'll notice this video did get a lot of attention considering he's only got you know uh, he only had a handful of subscribers at the time he um you know it got nearly half a million views contrapoints herself came in and said thanks for sharing this right so This video, to, to me, um, seems a bit problematic because he actually says he's not alt-right and, and never believed what the alt-right believe. Um, and has publicly even backed this up on Twitter since, again, it went, uh, it went viral. Um, and what you start to realize is, wait a minute, this guy wants to create a left-wing YouTube channel, right? This guy wants to have... A left-wing YouTube channel with with videos in it, right, where he talks about left-wing issues. And again, if you um, look at his topics here, you can see, you know, he's got, um, you know, who did the Notre Dame fire, right? Because there was like a conspiracy theory going around about that, and um, you know, the PewDiePie. Obviously, you got to if you're a YouTube, you have to do a PewDiePie video and. Uh, Polychad's AMA, uh, where he's like talking to like 4chan people, and ooh, Cat Black goes in on uh, Left Tube, and and then um, then he addresses the article three days ago. He's up to nineteen thousand subscribers. So the the guy definitely has a vested interest in over exaggerating to the reporter, and definitely has a vested interest in. Um, you know misrepresenting his journey and using the article to generate publicity for his youtube channel now isn't it weird that in that article the journalist didn't say you know caleb now makes youtube videos didn't say that said said oh caleb uh you know he still watches videos and wait wait no no no, no, no. he's a youtuber now by the way So this immediately makes me suspicious about the guy's motivations for saying all of this stuff because he's using the term alt-right as essentially clickbait, as did the journalist that wrote the article, because he never held the beliefs that the alt-right believed. Now, look, the alt-right has had a fucking weird and up-and-down storied history as a term going back to when it was originally coined. And it did mean new conservatives that were young and tech-savvy and that didn't want to... Con and this was a term coined by a Jewish professor, by the way. 
um, and they didn't want to be established, uh, you know, in line with established neocons or the Republican Party. And it was basically one of the early kind of ways to talk about populism. Then Richard Spencer co-opted it and said, no, alt-right's about this, and it's about being a neo-Nazi and everything else. And while that was going on, meanwhile, Breitbart were trying to embrace the old original meaning. So then Bannon came out and said, oh, yeah, it's a platform for the alt-right, Breitbart. And then, of course, everyone went, ah, but, but look, Richard Spencer said it's Nazis. So Breitbart and Nazis, you gun done fucked yourself, and now it only means that thing. But I'm happy with that. That's fine. Alt-right only means that now. Right? So if you don't believe in white nationalism, you are by definition not alt-right. The end. That's what you chose, media. You can't keep making up terms to demonize people through guilt via association. There is no alt-light. Right? That is bullshit. There's alt-right. Yes, we know what that means now because you told us you can't keep moving the goalposts. This guy was not alt-right, yet he made a video saying he was, even though he denies he ever held any of the beliefs the alt-right did. And an article was written saying, this guy was radicalized by the alt-right. P.S. Wasn't radicalized, wasn't even ever alt-right. So that's what we've got on our plate. Also, conveniently leave out, he wants to become a YouTuber, a left-wing YouTuber. He's active on Twitter, he's active on YouTube, he's making videos, and he's using the publicity to drive people to those videos. Just saying, be skeptical. Now, um, also, just in terms of, like, while we're talking about just what a massive fucking grift this appears to be, this guy did an appearance on um, CNN, right? Because, obviously, they jumped at the chance uh, to, to run this. Hacking so, is your weapon. It is. Watch the world premiere trailer now on YouTube. You're all right. So... This isn't, what, I gotta watch a fucking Bernie video too? How does a liberal young man become a follower of the alt-right? Right, so, <laughs> uh, CNN, as always, with an incredible handle on the facts, um, right at the start, um, how does a young liberal man, I mean, clearly the guy probably never was liberal, I think we can establish that, um... And then, second of all, how does he become a follower of the alt-right? Well, well, he, he, the answer to that is, in this case, he never was. So, but okay, you, you, carry, you carry on, CNN. Because, look, listen, we can get hung up on the alt-right point. And I'll be honest, I am focusing on, um, I suppose, a little bit of semantics. But I think that's important. Because I think we can all agree there is something wrong with becoming a far-right radical. But there isn't anything wrong with leaning towards more traditional conservative uh p political figures these two things are very very different and the premise of the article is he did the first not the second right and the reason for that is because the first is bad the second not so much right so anyway you're about to meet a man who says he was radicalized by alt-right figures via their persuasive youtube videos he believed their extremist conspiracies for years but then he somehow de-radicalized himself, and he's now working to help others get out. Joining us now is Caleb Kane. Caleb, thank you so much for being here to tell your personal story. I think it is so fascinating. So just, just to bring people. I do find it really off-putting that he looks like a Picasso painting as well. Like it really fucks with my mind. But whatever. People up to speed. Um, somewhere around, as I understand it, 2015, you were sort of at loose ends. You had dropped out of college, you were looking for direction. 
I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, at the time you would describe yourself as liberal. And somehow online, you found- <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, I'm just gonna continue to talk over you. Underway to these alt-right videos and websites, and then describe what happened. Yes, thank you for having me on. Um, basically, I was depressed during that period of time and looking for an outlet for that depression. And I turned to YouTube and I found a man by the name of Stefan Molyneux. And his, his content really helped me in a lot of ways. But what I didn't realize was I was being given a political philosophy. And over time, my political ideas started to change quite drastically, which was pretty, you know, pretty clear to anybody in my life at the time. And really, it just took me into a place where I became further isolated from social groups and just started to ostracize a lot of people in my life very unfairly. Let's talk about some of the things that you came to believe because of these videos. You Let's... came to believe, I mean, again, jump in if this is wrong, that other races were inferior to whites, that women, I think, or at least feminine, fe feminists were overly aggressive and women, I think, were inferior to men. You believed that, I guess, Muslims were trying to take over Western civilization or immigrants were. And how do you explain how you came to absorb those extreme views so much? So I find this interesting because he nods his head, uh, and I don't know if it's because of the delay, when she says that, oh, you, you believe that some races were inferior to others. A point like that it com conveniently left out and if you remember in the new york times article uh basically said um you know actually no i didn't believe in the the white nationalist element elements of it so very weird very weird that he that what what you'll see on the cnn thing is he actually for the purposes of television beefs up his beliefs but still says i was never in the alt-right so just it, it's bizarre watch well, it was mostly due to the people that I was listening to. The people that I was listening to were selling me a narrative that, you know, cultural Marxists and, you know, immigrants and Muslims and basically liberals were trying to destroy Western civilization and install some sort of socialist regime. And it's the type of rhetoric you hear from a lot of these people online uh, the whole way across the political spectrum. And really what it boils down to is it's digital hate politics and it leads people to radicalization. And Not you, you know, for me, in my opinion, radicalization, it's a public health crisis. Mm. And we really need to fix this public health crisis through education, through fixing people's communities and through providing mental health support, support I didn't have growing up mm. and is what led me down this path. And I'm gonna to get to exactly how you- And you'll also notice when he repeated the things that he was believing there he just said oh you know it was this he didn't bring up the racist thing he didn't repeat that he believed the racist thing that he that he's contradicted i'll show you his twitter where he contradicts it again you pulled yourself out in one second but also when you say it's a public health crisis obviously we've seen hate crimes spike in the past years we've also seen the rise of neo-nazism we've seen more violence were you ever tempted were you, did you feel you were veering in that direction towards violence I mean, we've also actually shown that this, um, this, uh, I've shown the FBI statistics and, and stuff on hate crime spikes before. Not even, um, 
this supposed big spike that it's had, first of all, doesn't take into account uh, any of the fake hate crimes because it's just reported hate crime um, that they that they use the statistic for. We have no idea of gauging how big an impact that has on the numbers. But also, uh, hate crimes were at a higher point uh, in well during a part of the Obama presidency, actually. So, I mean, you know, just, just saying, these are all statistical facts that you can go and check out yourself. But, you know, again, we, we, we don't say, oh, it's rising almost to the levels we had in, like, the first year of the Obama presidency. We can't say that because then the idea that it's not a Trump-driven thing doesn't hold up. Um, but, but, yeah, you know, there, there's been an increase on previous uh, years and previous presidential terms but it's nowhere near the highest, and it's also nowhere near the highest we had while we had a black president in the White House. So, just saying. But anyway, w were you ever thinking about violence, Caleb? Were you ever thinking about violence? I don't know if I was ever veering towards violence. I never felt... Right, so you weren't radicalized. Okay, end of interview, right? No, okay. felt that way. But from what I see, the people that turn to violence are people that feel at the end of their line. They feel that their back is completely against the wall. And these were the people that we saw in the New Zealand shooting and in the Poway shooting. And these people were deeply ingrained within social groups online. And I think that giving people, re relieving those anxieties that people have, those systemic anxieties that they have through, you know, their economic situations or their personal lives, it's fixing those situations that's going to keep us from seeing more violence. By the way, we also need to talk about the role that YouTube plays. They directed you to more and more extreme videos. Once you found one and YouTube could tell through its algorithms that you liked it, that you were watching it, that you were engaged, they directed you to more and more extreme videos and they need to take some responsibility for that as well. I. I think what YouTube needs to do is they need to have very clear terms of service on their websites of what's acceptable and they what do. isn't. Um, you know, I am a free speech advocate, but yeah, what no. I see, saw on the platform was people taking advantage of this algorithm. And the algorithm does not care about what your politics are. It, keeps, it cares about watch time and keeping you on platform. The AI that they use for this is called reinforce. And the whole idea is to keep you watching more and more. And extremists come online and take advantage of that. It's very interesting as well, isn't it, that like he's sitting down and basically repeating the same thing Kevin uh, Roos was talking about. Not talking about his own experiences with YouTube, um, but suddenly bringing up this AI, this reinforced thing and how it's bad and how that's the right, which was large parts of the article he was featured in, but did not write himself. So, Caleb, we're almost out of time. What's your message? to other people who, as you say, have fallen down the alt-right rabbit hole. How did you pull yourself out? I pulled myself out because I started getting exposed to other ideas. I basically started to educate myself on the problems and the issues. And I also started to reach out and get emotional support from others. And that is what we're trying to do with my team and I, is I have a bunch of volunteers and we basically set up digital platforms to try to de-radicalize young people online. And we're doing that through social intervention and compassion-based conversations. And it's really to combat, once again, this whole thing of digital hate politics, which leads to radicalization. And this radicalization is a huge public health crisis yeah. that we really need to solve. Good for you, Caleb. Good for you. Um, I will put on Instagram uh, a link to where people can find the help that you've found. Thank oh. you very much for sharing your personal story with Thanks us. Thanks very much for the free advertising for my totally not a fucking grift. <laughs>
All right. Um, anyway, just as um, just as an aside, uh, as I showed you at the start when we started looking at the article, uh, you know, there were people involved um, who, listen, it, it's all right when the boot's on the other foot. It, it always is with these people. Think how many times, right? Like, okay, the uh, people, you know, there's been people out there who have basically said, like, oh, you're all right, you're an all right apologist, you're a right wing, you're a neo-Nazi. I get that all the fucking time. Like, it's so mind-blowing to me. Um, and people just throw it around like it doesn't mean anything. And there are very real-life consequences. And it's dangerous to throw that around these days because the nutcases that don't get radicalized by the fucking right wing get radicalized by the left wing. And those motherfuckers do want to kill you too, by the way. And will try. And yeah, it's milkshakes today, but it's acid tomorrow, right? And it's fucking, you know, and it's... Um, it, we're out, you know, we're going to dox you today, and then they're outside your house threatening your family tomorrow. That's where it goes. That's where it goes on both sides. So the the idea that if you continually and falsely label someone as being in the alt-right, being a Nazi, you know, because we're supposed to believe that these people secretly run America now, uh, when they clearly don't, um, and th th there are people that have been put in danger for being labeled that. You know, and it's and it's outrageous. So, I I did see some people get upset about it. I mean, the most obvious was Philly D. I don't blame him. Philly D's content is like some of the most um, uh, some of the most like tepid breakdowns of news. It's basically drama alert for people who are like got an IQ of over eighty. You know what I mean? Like. It, it, it's it, it's not radical in any way shape or form it breaks down everything that's going on um it does it in super quick staccato things it encourages interactivity so why philly d was ever put on this art like put on this fucking article at all i don't know and he tweeted and said uh what the fuck is this now again if a publication ever implied i was fucking alt right i would immediately sue that's just how uh, that's just how that one has to go, right? I think you, I, and I'm, I'm I'm always surprised when people don't take legal action for that. Um, I actually talked to a lawyer about this um, about the specific uh, defamation component, and what they've said is that as things stand, you would struggle to prove defamation for being labeled alt right. I think over time that's going to change. They told me that because everybody's alt right. <laughs> supposedly according to uh, like the, the media it's very hard to prove it's a defamatory statement when even people are calling the president alt-right you know but if they were to call you a nazi that is a lot easier to win a defamation case over i think that'll change because i think what we're starting to see is nazi and kkk and that stuff is like more hyperbolic um and antiquated and alt-right is the term that's going to basically replace that and it's got a record it's the alt-right has a recognizable racist belief system um so i i think i think of it you know, I, I think there'll be some successful defamation cases for throwing that around uh, if people want to put their money into that. But anyway, um, so they changed the article based on Philip DeFranco getting up, uh, upset um, and saying that was updated. Uh, 
And he said, but up on check-in, I still showed up as one of the last people associated with the escalating language. This time, not Jimmy Kimmel. And they added a non-specific, but not all of them, caption in the scroll down. And this is what they added. A sample of the more than 12,000 videos that Caleb Kane was watching going back to 2015. Many, but not all of them, <laughs> from which were from far-right commentators. Well, that's brilliant, isn't it? Because let's not explicitly explain who's who. I'm just going to use your image without your permission right and you're a public figure and i'm just gonna put you in this article basically saying uh that uh, you might be a far right uh personality who knows who cares we're the new york times mm. um and then also uh i think it was this one let me just see uh it <laughs> It actually also got to a point where, if I remember rightly, um, I think he got sent a fucking tweet from somebody who bought the paper uh, on, like, the East Coast, and he was in it. Uh, let me just see. Uh, where was that? Yeah, here it is. So it's not even just an online thing. Because obviously with an online thing, you make a mistake and put in a correction. Once it's in fucking print, you have to wait for them to print an actual retraction. And no one reads that. It's always on page fucking 40, tucked in the back, next to the fucking hobo obituaries, right? So, look, a buddy on the East Coast just sent this to me. They put the making of a YouTube radical collage on the front page of the Sunday edition of the New York Times. Now it appears that I'm also a part of a stew of emotional content. I'm going to ditch the internet today. See you Monday. And there it is for everyone to see. you got your Jordan Peterson on there, your Philly D's, ContraPoints again, inexplicably there. Uh, I suppose she is quoted in the article at least, but I still think it's outrageous to use her picture and imply she's in any way far right. Um, so Philly D didn't like it. But here was the other thing, right? Do you remember the Young Turks? Journalism. Do you remember right. when Anna Kasparian had that fucking insane breakdown um, where she said, uh, I'm better than you, right? Do you remember that? Do you remember? I'm better than you. I'm better than you because you're a Trump supporter and you're all racist and... And, uh, you know, how dare Trump win and all of this stuff. Um, and she basically has said on multiple occasions that Trump supporters are racist. They're all Nazis. If you support Trump, you're irredeemable. You're a, you're a garbage human being was her famous quote. Brilliant. Great person, right? So imagine having the audacity, if you're the Young Turks, to object to Cenk's picture being featured in that article. Oh, but they did. And it's delicious. Yes, I'll vote for Bernie, whatever. Please, YouTube, stop radicalizing me to your socialist agenda. YouTube is attempting to walk us through how it is that young men get radicalized to the right on YouTube, which is an important story to explain. However, even though there are really important kernels of truth in this piece, I just want to note that there were a few things that uh, the writer here, Kevin Roos, did get wrong. Really? So, for instance, when you click on the link to this article, the first thing you see is this interactive, you know, thing that YouTube has. I'm yes. sorry, New York Times has. And they have 
photos of all of these right-wing content creators, and they include Jink. Well, oh my me. Isn't it terrible to be associated with something that you absolutely decry, deplore, denounce, disavow, all the Ds? Isn't it awful when that happens? Oh my. Will Jenk ever recover? Because, I mean, it would be terrible if you ran a channel that specifically did that to others at almost every given opportunity. I hope you guys, I hope, uh, I, well, what can I say? I mean... Facing yeah. off with, with it's rough. Alex it's Jones, terrible. and mm. I just feel like they included photos of some YouTube creators who are not radical, who mm. are not, you know, on the extreme end of either, you know, yeah. either end of the spectrum. So I, I know what uh, New York Times said uh, in terms of why they did that. I looked it up. Mm. Um, you actually looked something up, Cenk. Well, holy shit. <laughs> That's a first. Do tell me more. But I think they're still wrong. So what they're saying is they looked at the history of Caleb Kane, the guy that they tracked, mm. and they put up videos that he watched. No, so he happened to have watched the video of uh, the fight that uh, we had with Alex Jones. Everybody watched that one. Well, yeah. and, but so did everybody. <laughs> Remember when we had that fight with Alex Jones? Everyone watched that. <laughs> everybody on the planet. That was, no, but by the way. Who's, who's this creep with the shit haircut, by the way? Who's, who's that guy? That's right. By the way, it's not much of an exaggeration. That was the night of Trump's inauguration. And Trump's acceptance speech was number two to that video of Alex Jones coming onto our set. That was number one on Facebook that day. So almost everybody's seen that video. That's also an exaggeration. Okay. Anyway, and Phil DeFranco's on that list. Right. Now this is great because you're like, oh, this is nice of you. Actually, you're gonna you're gonna extend you know use your platform to back up another YouTuber that technically I guess is kind of a competitor to your channel. So that's nice. I mean, it would be a shame though if you immediately labeled him as being conservative with no substantiating evidence for that because then that would just make you as bad as the New York Times, the publication you're calling out. There's no way you would be stupid enough to do that though because if you're an intelligent political commentator like somebody who could work for the Young Turks for example, you would see that clearly being ridiculous that you're calling out a publication for associating you with something and then go on to try and defend somebody by associating them with something that they're not involved with. But there's no way you would do that. Okay, let's... There we go, yes. Yeah, and and Phil, I think, is a little bit more right... Conservative than we are. Right wing. Not... More conservative than we are, right? Uh, But... He's not at all radical, and and so I get it. That guy happened to watch Phil DeFranco at some point, but you don't fully explain that in the article. So if you see, if you're just reading the article, all of a sudden you're like, is Phil DeFranco one of the most radical people on YouTube? And he's not, and that's not fair, and they should have put more thought behind it. But I think the substance of the article is both really good, as we're going to explain, but also has bigger problems. Yeah, It does have bigger problems. Now, I broke down most of those. I actually think... Some of the uh, Young Turks video when I watched this was very uh, similar to some of the criticisms, which I guess um, sort of makes me a little bit worried. Um, let's just also as well get into um, the just the another reason why I think this is a potential 
grift because, um, well, okay. So remember, the big selling point of the article is that he was radicalized, he became alt-right, and then he was pulled out of it somehow miraculously, even though, again, it just looks like he's a loser, right, with, with mental health problems to boot, and he dropped out of college and was stressed and was struggling with mental health problems, and latched on to one thing and then because of how the youtube algorithm actually works was then just fed another thing and the article even concludes he's gone down an alt-right rabbit hole and now he's going down a left-wing rabbit hole so i mean I, I i don't really understand but but whatever but here's the other thing so remember the big selling point is that he was alt-right well here he is on twitter denouncing um here uh, a lot of what I'm seeing from conservatives is offense that they classify that they are classified as alt-right for the record I don't believe Crowder or Rubin are alt-right, but their content kept me locked in an echo chamber Which more extreme people stepped into exposing me to radical views now Isn't it interesting by the way that despite the New York Times having access to apparently his entire viewing history where are all the actual alt-right commentators? Where's the Richard Spencer videos? Where's the David Duke videos? Where I don't even know names of alt actual, you know, card-carrying members of the alt-right. But where are those? If more, so if, if more extreme ideas stepped into the echo chamber, where's the evidence of that? Because you, you, you have it. You have the data. And you didn't show it. And then somebody replied with saying, in interviews, you say that you never actually thought white people needed their own country or anything like that. Can you clarify in what sense you were alt-right? You're doing all these interviews and branding yourself this way, but what radical beliefs did you actually have? And then he goes, I clearly state I was an alt-right civ-nat in interviews. I've just watched your CNN interview. You didn't state that at all. And in fact, you were happy to just gloss over when they said you were a racist and a white nationalist. Now, a civic nationalist is not a white nationalist. In fact, again, those ideas are mutually exclusive. Um, and, and now he's walking it back and saying uh, alt-light. But again, when he created his YouTube... When he, sorry, when his Twitter was blowing up, not when he created it, but when, it, when he was sort of getting traction because of the New York Times article, he changed the name. Caleb Kane, former alt-right. So, it, it, you were labeling yourself this way, despite knowingly saying that you don't hold any of those beliefs.